here I am yeah. talking to the microphone. Here I am. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> talking to the microphone. All right. Ready? I'm ready, baby. <clears throat> We're back. We're not wasting anyone's time with any sponsors because we've been gone for two weeks. Let's go straight to DJ Buckner. Nine seconts, eight seconds, seven seconds. Oladipo to win Another it. Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! Another one! You can see it in the air! Coming to you live from the Baja Blast Crave Cave in beautiful Greenwood, Indiana. It's not really that beautiful. It's kind of gray outside. It's a Sad Pacers Fan Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joe Cohen. I'm here, as always, with Coach Christian Arvin. Christian, we have not seen each other in weeks because we don't talk or interact when we're not potting. How have you been? Uh, well, a lot is a lot has changed in life, um, Joe, and and by that I mean really not much anything at all has changed. Um, I'm tired. Uh, basketball is in full swing, and I have a lot of late nights. Um, but uh, you know, life is good. Yeah, I I think the last two weeks have made me realize how hard it is to stay on a consistent weekly podcast schedule when you have teaching and coaching requirements. And it's the holiday season, and you have people in town that you need to interact with. It's just a lot going on. So to the loyal Sad Pacers fans out there, uh, we're sorry that we haven't gotten you the pod, but you just kind of need to deal with it because um, we do have lives. We're just working through some personal stuff, okay? We, we have some things going on. We are not going to go over the games that have happened in the past couple weeks, we are going to hope that the listeners of this podcast have seen the games or at least looked at the box scores. You know what the Pacers have done over the past couple weeks. We are going to jump into a little holiday special, not an Aaron holiday special, not yet. Uh, he still hasn't replied to any of my DMs, but once he does, we'll jump into a different type of holiday special. The holiday special that we're going to jump into today is a Hanukkah special. Hanukkah is beginning. My last name's Cohen. It's good enough for me. We're going to talk about the seven things that we like at the start of the Pacers season. Here comes Hanukkah. We're going to begin at the top. Victor Oladipo. We've talked about him a lot this season. Uh, Vic is currently dealing with a sore right knee, I believe. Uh, but we're going to talk about the impact that Victor has had on the team in the time that he has been playing. I'm going to go over some of his uh, basic stats, some of the big stats right now, and then we're going to talk about what we see on the court. So Victor's averaging uh, about 21.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, having a pretty good statistical season. Uh, he's leading the Pacers to uh, fifth place spot in the East right now, I believe. Um so, so he's consistent in being the leader of the team. Uh, now that we've mentioned his numbers, what do you see from Vic on the court that maybe we haven't already talked about on the pod this year or something that you want to reiterate that we have talked about? 
I think the biggest thing for me is just seeing that um, he hasn't regressed. Uh, I think a lot of people were concerned that last year would be a flash in the pan, that the league would adjust and that he would regress back to the norm that we saw uh, maybe in Oklahoma City or Orlando before that. Um, But he's proven that um, he is not going to regress, but actually that he's making some progression um, and that he is is standing firm um, in his in his spot as not only a reliable leader on this team, but as a top, top level player. And I think that's most um, most shown through uh, on a on a certain recent podcast with people that talk about sports in the NBA. Um, there is one former ESPN um, host that um, said that if he were to make his way too early All NBA team, he would have Victor Oladipo on his first team. Um, so he's shown that he is. He's here to stay. He's here to ball. He's here to play. Um, and he is for real. Yeah, I think I like what you said about uh, people were wondering if he was going to regress back to the normal. I think what we've seen from Vic so far this season, and I know we're only a quarter way into the season, uh, and he sat out a handful of games, but this seems like this might be the new normal for him. Uh, he seems really comfortable taking over as the leader of the team, both offensively and defensively. One of the stats that I've highlighted here in my notes is that uh, he's a top 20 player in defensive rating this year. And I think uh, it's nice that the numbers back up what we see on the court. We see lots of times Victor Oladipo guarding the best or second best player on the opposing team while still putting up uh, efficient offensive numbers. So it's nice to see an all-around player, a two-way player, uh, as we've discussed, maybe the best two-way uh, guard in the East, maybe the league. Um, there are debates to be made. So, uh, Victor Oladipo, he's our first of the seven things that we like. Anything else you want to say about Vic before we move on to number two? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where you can really see the importance of him to this team. The Pacers are ten and six with Oladipo um, on the floor when he plays three and four without him. So, um, you know, a well above five hundred with him in the team, um, just below without him. So he's a he's a huge, very integral part. Um, and I think it's fitting that he's first on our list that we are um he's probably the thing that we as Pacers fans are most thankful for to have uh, a player of that caliber leading this team. All right. So Vic Mazeltov to you. Uh, we're gonna move on to a couple other players that I think we can make a case for either of them being the second best player on the team right now. Uh, It's kind of splitting hairs. I'm going to go ahead and lead off with who I think is still the second best player on this team, and that's DeMontis Sabonis. Here comes Hanukkah. Uh, We've talked about him so much. We've talked about him nearly as much as we've talked about Victor Oladipo. He's putting up career highs across the board, averaging a double-double off the bench with 14.5 points. 10 rebounds. I think he's one of the only players in the league to be averaging a double-double off the bench, Mm -hmm. uh, which would put him in leading contention for sixth man of the year, for uh, most improved player player of the year, which we made a prediction about before the season started. Uh, And the best part about this is that he's shooting the ball at an insanely high clip. Uh, He's currently uh, 64% from the field. That's good enough for fourth in the NBA, but Compared to his career, it's 13 percentage points higher than he shot last season. And he was a good shooter last season. Um, So what we're seeing is Sabonis stepping into this role as being the number one scoring option off of the bench for the Pacers. 
and doing it very efficiently. Yeah, and with that, you know, with that uptick in shooting, there's we have to be because this is a sad pacer fan podcast. We have to have some skepticism. So, is it a hot start that will regress? Um, obviously, we hope not, but that remains to be seen. We'd love uh, to see him continue to shooting. But then looking further at his at his impact, um, he is in the top twenty in the NBA in win shares. Um, that right there shows the importance and the value that he has on this team that he his play in particular is so so much a direct contributor to the success that the team has yeah he's the only pacer currently in the top 20 in win shares and uh for anyone who doesn't just mess around on basketball reference and look at different statistics win shares is is it's is a statistic where they sort of quantify uh, how many wins a player is worth, an individual player is worth. So uh, using the algorithm that they have based on Sabonis' uh, statistics, he's in the top 20. I think he's 19th in the league um, in win shares added to the team. So uh, obviously a very, very important player. I, I think the thing I love the most about him is it seems like... Um, He's one of the few guys on the team who you can watch him play and you know that he knows what his role is. Um, I, I, this is, it's strange to say because it's kind of like the opposite of where the league is going, but I love that you don't see a look in Sabonis' eyes that he just wants to start jacking up threes. Mm -hmm. He's barely taking any threes, less than a half of a three per game on average this season. Um, and he just takes the shots that he's comfortable with. He backs guys down in the post. He shoots his little hook shot or he gets dunks. He will very rarely take uh, like a 15 to 18 footer. But even those, he looks so comfortable in taking those shots. Um, it's just really nice to see a guy who knows what he's supposed to do on the team and does it really well. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot that you can say and a lot that you can get from a player uh, maturity-wise when they can look, see, and realize, and play within themselves. Because it, when you start to get players that are trying to force things too much, um, players that are getting too carried away with trying to rile up players on the other team, um, people that are liking to throw insane passes because they want to try to uh, make highlight reels, people that are stat hunting so that they can get um, – you know, triple doubles, double doubles, uh, shooting layups at the last second of blowout games. You know, uh, I'm just I'm thankful and fortunate and glad um, that we don't have any players that pl that play basketball like that anymore on this team. Right. All right. Let's go to our number three. Here comes Hanukkah. This is a player that we said could be splitting hairs as far as the second best pacer currently. Um, and he may be receiving an award later on in this podcast. We'll find out. And that's Boyan Bogdanovic. Uh, what I wanted to talk about specifically in our list of seven things that we like is Bogey's offensive game and how I feel like he's kind of transformed his game this season. Um, he's got career highs in scoring and three-point percentage. That three-point percentage currently is sitting at about 51.5%, which we have to assume is going to regress into the 40s somewhere. Uh, but he is currently leading the league in three-point percentage, so that's pretty cool to see, to have a different pacer leading the league in three-point percentage two years running. Um, but what I really like about Bogey's game is how much he's getting to the rim. So if you go to basketball reference and you look at where Boyan Bogdanovich's shots take place, 
Most of them are threes, but, uh, but he does take a lot of shots at the rim where he's currently shooting 73%. I think the, uh, the progression in his game, the maturity, and uh, just knowing when to pick his spots, where to take his shots, uh, especially with Victor Oladipo being out, he's really taken over as the offensive leader on this team, and he seems totally unfazed by it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a big, I think a big piece of his success at the rim too is that um, I, I don't think anyone in the NBA um, would expect a software engineer um, to be able to cut to the basket and be able to finish like he does. Um, and so people sit there and they say. What this guy? He's just gonna he's gonna try to write some JavaScript um, out here on the on the three point line, and then and then jack something up real quick, and then before they know it, um, he control alt deletes them on their way to the rim. Um, so you know, uh, he, I think I think people maybe underestimate um, that athleticism uh, coming from him. I don't know if it's the the thinning balding hair um, or the the great Eastern European accent um, that throw people off. But yeah, he's he's really been able to effectively attack the basket and then score efficiently in high percentage areas. I, I'm glad that you said efficiently. Um... Because I I need to argue with you about something. I don't think Bogey is a Control-Alt-Delete guy. That's three buttons he has to press. I think he's more of an Alt-F4 guy. Or if you're using Mac, maybe Command-Q. He's going to try to get this done in as few buttons as possible based on what we've seen with this play on the court this season. Uh, he had this really nice play against the Kings last night where uh, I think he had a shot fake and he drove to the basket. And he got he got bumped pretty hard, and he went up and under, spinning layup mm-hmm. and one, and of course he had like the most white guy celebration of all time. It was like a half Tiger Woods fist pump when he was <laughs> celebrating it, but it was a really really sweet play. And he's looking more and more comfortable around the rim this season. I think he's even dunked the ball like three times or something like that. So uh, it's great it's great to see Bogey's so. offensive game develop. So he's dunked the ball almost as many times as Dougie McDuncan. Almost, and he's dunked the ball twice as many times as Miles Turner. All right, before we move on to our fourth uh, thing that we like in this Hanukkah celebration, we are going to take a quick break. Okay, so we had to check on the dunk statistic joke that we made, and it turns out that Miles Turner has actually dunked the ball more this season than Boyan Bogdanovich, but uh Christian share the interesting nugget that we found out about their dunk statistics. So we went to basketball reference here uh where we could track by shot type by dunks um and we could find that um for someone that is 7 feet tall, Miles Turner does not attempt to dunk the ball very much. He is not at all. 8 of 9 on the season compared to Bojan Bogdanovic who is 6 of 6 on the team Miles is 4th Boyan is fifth, and I actually have to correct myself as well. He's dunked it one more time than McDuncan. Um, it's just that he hasn't been posterizing people uh, like Doug has. Doug is obviously playing uh, with a desire to get an invitation to the dunk contest this year, mm. the way that he is uh, yamming on people most of the time. Um, Imagine Doug McDermott doing a Brent Berry. Brent Berry... He did do the dunk contest and the three-point contest, right? Surely he did. I know for a fact he did the dunk contest. I think he won it. 
I think Brent Berry won the dunk contest, and he was wearing like this, like a starter jacket or something like that. Brent, right? Come on to the, call into the pod. We know you listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, another interesting thing we saw in there on the dunk statistics. I saw this the other night. So Tyreek Evans has one dunk this season, uh, and I was talking about this with um, longtime Sad Pacers fan Craig Banning. I don't, I don't think that Tyreek Evans is very athletic. And here's why I say that. His one dunk that he had was a fast break dunk all by himself. And it was like he had chosen the rim grazers off one package on NBA Mm -hmm. 2K. He barely, barely, barely dunked the ball. And the bench went crazy. It looked like he was going up for a layup and ended up dunking it all alone. And the bench was like going wild. So it was like when Reggie Miller would dunk. Yeah, I think that uh, let's not talk about Reggie Miller dunking. (laughs) (laughs) Or not dunking. Yeah. I think that Tyreek's legs don't work. Uh, maybe that's why he dribbles off of them so much. One, right. one other dunk statistic okay. that, that I also want to uh, point out just here real quick. We could quick. just turn this into a dunking podcast if you want. I love <laughs> the dunking. Dun- <laughs> the, the dunking Pacers fan. I tried to dunk the ball in uh, my students had some extra gym time the other mm-hmm. day. And I tried to dunk in the gym and it, it was. Yeah, I tried to dunk at the end of practice yesterday. and just nowhere near. Um but uh, the the one last dunk statistic that I want to look at um, is uh, T.J. Leaf, <laughs> who, according to Basketball <laughs> Reference this year, is shooting a putrid oh. two of five from the rim. Oh, we read this wrong. In two games. Oh, this is actually amazing. In two games, he's five of five. Oh. So, My apologies, TJ wow. Leaf. TJ Leaf, you can now run the pod. So he's, we still think you suck at basketball, <laughs> but he's so bad. He in two games he's dunked the ball five and, times. And, That's a lot of dunks. And he's two and yeah. a half dunks a game. Yeah. Wow. Okay. TJ Leaf, put him in the starting lineup. TJ Leaf, you suck. TJ Leaf, you've got your Pacer of the Year. All right. Let's move on to the fourth thing that we like about the Pacers this season. And this one is going to be a little bit out of left field, uh, but it's something that I just can't stop thinking about. Here comes Hanukkah. And that is how good Alizé Johnson is playing in the G League. Joe, I don't, I don't think you mean out of left field. I think you mean, as NBA 2K would like us to, to believe, out of the cornfield. cornfield of Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> That's right. The Mad Ants, they play on a dirt basketball court. But occasionally we will see these highlights. They showed G League highlights last night during the Pacers-Kings broadcast. And Alizé is just putting up like stupid numbers in the G League. And I I know that there might be people that listen to this and think it's just the G League, which I totally get. But here's what I would have to say to that. One, it's still professional basketball. These guys are still professional basketball players Many of them have been in the NBA before, currently signed to NBA two-way contracts, things like that. The second thing, and I think this speaks mostly to, or or most importantly to what he's doing, is that all these guys are playing for jobs. Nobody in the G League wants to be a G League player. They want to play in the NBA. So I actually think that the guys in the G League are probably playing really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Alizé's numbers as a rookie, in the G League, playing against professional competition for the first time, it's kind of stupid. So he's averaging 19 points and 14 rebounds. 
he's shooting the ball 55% from the field, 43.5% from three, and 85% from the line. He's damn near a 50-40-90 player in the G League right now. Mm-hmm. In his eight games, he's got seven double-doubles. Two of those games, he's got 20 rebounds. How could this potentially translate to the Pacers roster? Um, I mean, the I think the biggest problem was finding a hole, finding minutes for him. He kind of plays in that 3-4 area, um, so we would have to look at sitting some of our bigger names. But what we really see out of this is that, you know, 20 rebound games, averaging 14 rebounds a game, rebounding takes zero skill. Rebounding is not a talent thing. It is an effort thing. It is a grit. It is a grind. It is determination. Um, And so that is for sure. And, you know, we would probably see those numbers go down because he is going to be playing with better rebounders um, in the NBA. But um, he's he he shows that he really loves to do some of that dirty work. And we hear that in his quotes all the time, too, when all through the summer, all through training camp, when people would ask him what he thinks he brings to the team, he would say effort, energy, and he would specifically mention rebounding. Um, And this is it's something that I really love to see, because from draft night, I stayed up, saw that second round pick, said, who the heck is Alizé Johnson, and started looking up highlight reels. And I saw immediately a player that could translate to someone that played and could contribute in the NBA. Um, so it is, I, I really love to see the success that he's having up there in Fort Wayne and hope that we can get to see him get some minutes with the main with the main roster with the team um, and see what he can do against NBA competition. So it's likely that he won't really get any run until next season at the earliest, uh, especially with the way the Pacers roster is constructed. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit, the, the depth of the team. But things that are real very encouraging to me one his motor has not quit like like you said rebounding doesn't take skill it takes effort and he's showing you know you have two games where you're you get 20 rebounds in a game and you're averaging 14 that's a that tells you that guy's putting out a lot of effort another thing is i can't believe how well he's shooting the ball uh, it's out of this world yeah i i feel like that was probably a projected hole in his game was is his shot going to 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 translate mm-hmm. but I mean, shooting 55% from the field is not a fluke, especially when you're shooting over 40% from three. That tells me that his jumper's working. The 85% from the line is very encouraging, too, because solid. because the type of player that he is, if he's going to be crashing the boards and getting lots of rebounds, we're going to assume he's getting a lot of offensive rebounds. I think he had over 10 offensive rebounds in a G League game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's likely to get fouled on some putbacks and you got to be able to knock down those shots. That's another big thing that we've seen with Sabonis this season is that um, he's a guy that gets fouled a lot and he's shooting a really high free throw percentage. So um, just being able to make those shots that you're supposed to make, and it looks like Alizé is doing that. It's really encouraging um, for the Pacers. I, I feel like the flashes that we've seen from Aaron Holiday and what we're seeing from Alizé Johnson in the G League, I think the Pacers are setting them up, setting themselves up for a nice young core mm-hmm. uh, with guys like those two, Sabonis, Miles Turner, and of course Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. It, the future looks really bright for the Pacers if you look at it that way. Yeah, from the from these early days that this 2018 draft class looks to be a strong group coming in with the Pacers. Yeah, really, they must not have let Larry Bird do anything. Stay away, Larry. Yeah, please do not be a consultant because 
Kev's who, got it. Who was like, he would have taken Grayson Allen for sure. Oh, f- yeah. Or any other white player. All right. <laughs> the fifth thing that we're going to talk about on our seven things that we like is a very brief one. Here comes Hanukkah. Uh, but I think it's a positive trend going forward in this season. And that's the fact that it sort of seems like Nate McMillan has figured out lineups just slightly. Uh, neither of us are still really Nate McMillan fans, but uh, I want to point to some of his lineup decisions recently with Victor Oladipo being out. So what we've seen is Tyreek Evans step into the starting lineup to sort of fill that Oladipo role, and he's not filling it super well, so we're seeing Corey Joseph close games. And I really like this lineup of Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, Boyan Bogdanovich, Thaddeus Young, and either Miles Turner or uh, Demontis Sabonis in there at the center spot. Um, having DC and and the champ, Corey Joseph, in the backcourt, maybe kind of small, but the defensive intensity is really nice. And Corey Joseph has been a, a knockdown shooter for the Pacers since he's been on the team. Um, another thing I, I like that Nate has done is sort of uh, unlock Doug McDermott a little bit. He's been awesome recently, and it just seems like they've finally realized that uh, w- one of the more prolific shooters in the NBA should be coming off of screens and catching the ball and just immediately shooting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's with with Doug, I think the first couple weeks of the season, the way that we used him and the way that we played him, it almost seemed like he was somewhat of a wasted acquisition because we weren't maximizing what Doug McDermott can do. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it probably took a couple weeks of getting the team to gel, figuring things out. But now we're really, this past week, two weeks, we've really seen Doug take a step up in what he can do with the team. And that's been um, very, uh, very um, encouraging. encouraging. <laughs> that's That's the hard word. So I think it's been very encouraging. (laughs) I think that let's just transition into our sixth thing uh, that we like because it's kind of fluid with this fifth thing, and that's here comes Hanukkah. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with the Pacers' depth. Um, If we look back at what we said earlier, the the Pacers' record without Victor Oladipo. Now it's technically a losing record, three and four without Oladipo this season. Uh, However, last season. I believe they had, they didn't win a game. Goose egg. Yeah, with Oladipo out. So I think that speaks to the depth of the team. Um, I feel like the Pacers consistently run two or three players deep at most positions. Think about the point guard spot. They've got legitimately three guys that they play at the point guard currently. Mm-hmm. Um, the shooting guard position, obviously, if we're going to not factor Victor Oladipo into this, Tyreek Evans, uh, even though he's been a little bit of a disappointment with the Pacers, he is a he is an above average yeah. NBA bench player. Very serviceable. Um, the three spot you've got two guys who are very similar uh, in Boyan Bogdanovich, and we've seen Doug McDermott recently starting to shine with his shooting and looking really confident uh, at the four. Thaddeus Young, and then you take your pick of uh, Sabonis. You switch Miles Turner in and out of there. That that front court, that and Kylo Quinn. <laughs> I wish I kind of wish he played more, but I just feel like every time he plays, he just starts jacking up shots, like nonstop. Um, 
But the 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 big man position, I'll call it. You got three guys that you rotate in and out of there, and it looks really good. Um, what was I going to say about their depth? I like it. It's good. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say. It it's it's better than it was last season. Yeah, we're able to to step up. You know, I, again, it's kind of to that point where um, we I feel like across the team, people really know their role, um, so we don't have to worry about a loose cannon that, um, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll go back to this we'll loose cannon throw behind the back passes <laughs> through traffic, um, or that will shoot layups and cause, uh, a team to try to fight the team on their first game back, um, out of obscurity, you know, people that, um, abuse, police officers uh while on the court of play mm. um throwing you know. foreign objects at their heads yeah um so you know it's it's just nice to have uh, a group of players that know their role um and that are are more comfortable on uh, a basketball team rather than a meme team all right we're gonna move on to our seventh and final thing that we like here comes hanukkah um this one isn't necessarily about the pacers our seventh and final thing that we like is that Christian and I both have functioning brains and we are still able to be critical of our team. This would not be a sad Pacers fan podcast if we didn't complain about something. So Christian, let's just go back and forth. I'll complain about something. You complain about something. All right. My first complaint, Thaddeus Young's jump shot. It is ass. My first complaint, Miles Turner, period. He's been better these past couple weeks, but not $20 million a year good. Oof. My second complaint, um, Tyreek Evans can't dribble, but he tries a lot to dribble, and it turns out poorly. Lots of dribbling off the foot, lots of dribbling out of bounds. My second complaint, Nate McMillan is, is not going to be the coach that takes us to the next level. Sidebar, who would you... If you could think of any coach right now, who would you want to the uh, the Pacers to hire? Who would you want the next Pacers coach to be? Mm, that's a tough one. I know, putting you on the spot. Shoot, I feel like I was thinking about hear, heard about someone just the other day that would be a good addition to bring in, and now I can't remember who it was. Someone was talking about it on a podcast. There, are, there are dumb Pacers fans that are listening right now, and they're screaming Brad Stevens. Like one, he would ever leave Boston. And <laughs> yeah, two, Boston would ever. <laughs> That, that's just it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not possible yeah um obviously brad stevens would be amazing but i kind i kind of got my hopes up um when there was like some lakers drama going on thinking that maybe luke walton would get fired and i would like luke walton to be pacers coach because i think he's a good coach but it the lakers have actually been pretty freaking good lately yeah so but, i don't see that happening i saw a thing the some people talking the other day there's already a little bit of a rift you can see LeBron you just know, ignoring plays. LeBron ignoring <laughs> play calls. Joe, I believe you're next up on the complaint. Yeah. You're third. Third complaint. I've got one if you need time. Yeah, you go ahead. I can't really... I, I've been... I like this Pacers season so far. What's your third complaint? Third complaint. TJ Leaf is in the oh, NBA. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, I don't know why I didn't just jump straight to TJ Leaf. 
Can my third complaint also be that TJ Leaf is in the NBA? Yeah. Okay. Because that's also my fourth, fifth, and sixth complaints that <laughs> TJ Leaf is in the NBA and playing minutes for the Indiana Pacers. My Hanukkah wish every night is that TJ Leaf is just cut. All right. We are going to move into a new segment now that we've talked about our seven things that we like. We're going to take some rapid fire fan questions. Uh, we put out a post on. We should have put it out on the Pacers podcast. We put it, we put it out on my Instagram, <laughs> so it's only people that follow me. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> We've got some questions for the pod. First up, this is from Michael Heath. Why do the Pacers hang out with headphones in? Do they actually hate each other? What do you think? You're a coach. Why do the Pacers hang out with headphones in? Um, <clears throat> I think that. I think that we are in a headphone culture mm. now mm. Um, that uh, that people just want to have them in almost as much as an accessory, um, as a piece of style, um, as for form and function. Um, but we are a, a more and more um, technology driven society. So I wonder if it is pointing some to the to the breaking down of uh, communication lines, traditional communication lines, face to face communication lines. Interesting. That's an interesting question there. That's Thanks good. for writing in. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Second question. I, I want to take a crack at this one. Uh, this is from Emily Winship. Out of 10, how sexy is Victor's album? Victor Oladipo recently put out uh, his debut R&B album. I'm going to say out of 10. Uh, it's hard for me to tell because I haven't listened to the entire thing. The first track, I'm going to say out of 10. It's a 9 out of 10 in sexiness. Um it does, as the children say, slap. Uh, he says the word p- like 25 times in 10 seconds. Victor. Including saying no respect for the p-. So <laughs> we have to watch out for that one. <laughs> He's getting presidential in his lyrics. I do think that it's pretty sexy. I will be listening to the entire thing. Is that the same Emily Winship um, that believes Victor Oladipo's phrase is, this is our home. <laughs> I, this is your house. I do I do want uh, the listeners to know that after my wife uh, incorrectly said Victor Oladipo's catchphrase in two straight text messages, I did contact a good divorce attorney, uh, the ball is rolling is all I will say. This is your home, Victor. This is your home. <laughs> this is your home. As he's pointing to the ground. All right. We've got an email question here. Uh, this, this listener decided not to reply to the Instagram post and just go straight for the email instead. <laughs> can I guess who the listener is? You can, but you're going to be wrong. And I know who you're going to guess. <laughs> is this listener also the same listener that pled guilty <laughs> for lying to Congress this week? No, it's not my dad. I knew that's who you were going to guess. <laughs> this is, all right. I'll just read the email. Hi, Joe. This is Derek from Indiana. Long... <laughs> Long time listener, first time writing into the hotline. Recently, I was in an Indiana Pacers game and was watching the warmups. Is a layup line truly the most efficient use of a team's time before the game? As you probably know as a fan of the NBA, the players do not take the drill very seriously and give maybe 30% effort. So, why do they continue to do layup lines? Is this for fan entertainment? Is there really nothing better they could do to prepare for the game? My question. 
Thank you, Derek. That's thank, a great question. Why is, do they do layup lines? That's a great question, Derek from Indiana. Thanks for thanks for writing in. Thank you. Um, you know, that's it. I I I wonder if that's just like a nod to their everything that's got them there to this career. Because I mean, if you go to a third and fourth grade basketball game warm-up first thing the team does is go out and do layup lines you know uh yeah. the teams the teams at the high school that i coach layup lines to start um so i wonder if that's just kind of a nod to where they came from really if you look at any nba pre-game warm-up it's layups for a while and then some people go and stretch and other people shoot shots um, right um there's not really any form or function uh to anything other than that because most of the actually getting warm um, and stuff comes from shoot around and then, you know, uh, a quick lift before going out um, and things like that. So, I, you know, I, I don't know why. Um, maybe we'll have to ask Aaron uh, Holiday when he comes on for our holiday special. Once I see that he's read those DMs, we're in business. I, I do agree that I think it's probably just a tradition thing um, and just a way to kind of stay loose before the game, maybe get some some jitters out. I don't know how much guys are nervous, but just kind of a way to get loose before the game. All right. We're running short on time. We are going to go rapid fire with some questions. So I'm going to ask you one and you give me, um, just a very quick response. This one's from Craig Banning. Should the Pacers trade for Fultz? No, I agree. No, (laughs) no, the Pacers (laughs) should not trade for anyone that hot potatoes, the ball up on their way to the shooter free throw (laughs) period. End of discussion. Sorry, Craig. Plus they've got Aaron holiday. He's, he's better than Markel Fultz right now. All right. This one's from Nate Waterfill thoughts on players stepping over their fallen opponents when they barely did anything impressive. I think it says impressive, but the message uh, sort of cut off for me. Yeah. I think he's referring to, uh, did you see Mario Hazonia last night? Oh yeah, <laughs> stepping over Giannis. After yeah, that he was dunked. awesome. Okay, so so I agree it was awesome. So uh, that's my thoughts. I'm all on about it. it. Yeah, I'm about it too. I think that players should step over other players <laughs> any opportunity is, they possibly can. If your opponent is on the floor, go out of your way to step over them. That's what I think too. I think that the limit is if you have to if you have to cross back over the half court line to step over them, then you should at least think about it before you do it. But otherwise, if they're in the same half court as you, make an effort to step think, over them. I think truly the next amazing thing that we need to see with that is the entire team steps over mm, someone. They just go good. over in a line. Imagine a awesome. dunk so hard that the player stayed down long enough for five other guys to step over them without any fights occurring. <laughs> All right, we've got two of the same question here. Um, so when, do you need me to answer it twice? <laughs> if you want. When will Vic return? Do we have a prediction? We have no idea. Victor Oladipo listed out indefinitely with a sore right knee. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reports that there is no structural damage to the knee, mm-hmm. but he's out indefinitely. Yeah, and uh, likewise, you know, I saw before the Lakers game, he was playing four-on-four um, after shoot-around. So um, I think that the team is just being extra cautious. They don't want to push him too hard because they realize we're only 25 games in the year. We need to keep him healthy. Um, so I think, I think the general vibe is hopefully sometime soon, but they also aren't going to rush him, which isn't a very good answer, but I think that's where we are. Yeah. If I'm looking at the Pacers schedule this upcoming week, uh, Tuesday, they play at home, uh, to the bulls don't necessarily need Victor Oladipo for that game with the way that the rest of the team's been playing. And then they don't play again until Friday in Orlando. If I had to guess, I think Vic's going to come back for that game Friday in Orlando. I'd like to see him put on a little show against his old team, kind of say, this is what you could have had with mm-hmm. me. Um, 
it does not seem like he's super hurt. He's animated on the bench, and like like they've said, there's no structural damage. His knee is just kind of sore. So I will the... say, as a as a fantasy owner of Victor, I would like to see him come back soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we've got one here that we've discussed on the podcast before, so we can just kind of give a brief answer. Should Sabonis be the starting center? This is a very complicated uh, question that we've kind of talked about, but I think that the short answer that we came up with was no. He should not be the starting center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really want to yeah. disrupt I, chemistry. I, th- I think he could do well in the role as a starter, um, but I think the there are bigger ripples to worry about. All right, and then final question from uh, CEO, founder, creator, uh, proprietor of Broken Anchor Soap, Luke Wilson. He asks, this is a deep one. This will be our last question. Would you welcome PG back to the Pacers with open arms? So no. obviously this wouldn't happen because Paul George has signed a, well, like a four-year extension in Oklahoma City. Um, so this isn't on the table. This is just kind of a hypothetical. Would you welcome him back? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I think that um, I think that he is unsure of who he is as a player in the NBA. I think he wants to act and believe he's a number one guy. Um, but I think the evidence is there that, um, he can't carry an entire team on his own. Um, and beyond that, his, his behavior and how he trashed the organization and quit on the organization, um, when he was traded, uh, I think the bridges are too burnt, way too burnt. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that his exit was, um, less than ideal. I do think that in his time in Indiana, he was here for some of the best Pacers years that we've had. Mm-hmm. He's I do, great. I, I do not know if that's directly related to him or related to the identity that the team had because that team absolutely had their own identity. They were very, very physical on defense um, and got the shots that they wanted to get on offense. Um, but I agree with you. I don't I don't see any fit for him on this team. Um and I don't know if Pacers fans are ready to have that sort of reunion with a player yeah. that could have done them really dirty. I'm just glad that he found a big market that he can really thrive in. Right, yeah, big big market down there in Oklahoma. Um, I'll just end with this. Four plus 11 is greater than 13. And that's what we found out with this trade that Kevin Pritchard made. Uh, the Pacers got better from trading Paul George. Uh, Christian, any parting shots before we go? This is We went kind of longer than we have been going for around 45 minutes, but some good discussion. Yeah. Um, uh, parting shots? Uh, well, I, I just want to reiterate again. Um, just really thankful um, to not have... Um, anyone that is, uh, you know, um, blowing in anyone's ears on the court, aggravating the world's greatest player, um, acting as if he's getting into his head, uh, messing with him. Um, you know, just, just thankful for a team full of non memes. I, I would say that I'm also thankful, um, that we don't have a player who 
pushes his girlfriend down the stairs and bangs her head on the bottom stair, but I do not know the exact details of Darren Collison's um, arrest. So I can't say that for sure. That's going to do it for us this week on the Sad Pacers Fan Podcast. Remember that any questions, comments, and concerns you can send to sadpacersfan at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at sadpacersfan, on Twitter at sadpacerspod. For Christian Arvin, I'm Joe Cohen. We're We're just just trying trying to pod pod good. good.